0: your holy name. Lord we love you and we do worship you this morning in every circumstance Lord you are worthy of praise and and just uh, just thank you this morning Lord that that uh, just for the power uh, in your name Jesus and that when we praise you things happen Lord I believe that when we worship you when we choose to Praise you through whatever's going on in our lives. Uh, you do things and, and you are always fighting uh, on our behalf. And so thank you for that this morning, Lord. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. 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 I was going to tell everybody to take a seat, but y'all figured that one out on your own, so I'm glad of that. <laughs> it's so great to be back. It was interesting last week, but um, it just wasn't the same. So so I, I mentioned, I, kids, I don't know if you remember, but of course we just had Thanksgiving, right? And, and we've been kind of doing this theme where we've been talking about thankfulness, talking about what, what to be um, grateful for. And some of your parents, who I'm friends with on social media, have been putting things up about gratitude and about thankfulness and so I'm like wow that's really good you know they you know we're we're all kind of on the same page here we're all getting it right so I had a message for last week that I brought this week okay for you because it's about thankfulness it has a prop and the prop is a donut so and not just any donut i have an on very good authority that this is absolutely the best donut in the entire world, it's, it's got the, the white uh, icing and the rainbow sprinkles, right? And so I, I, I got six of these today, and I got six of the chocolate ones, if that's your thing. I'm not taking them home, so somebody better, like, eat them. I may eat this one just because I've had my hands on it, but we'll see. So, when we're thinking about being thankful, okay, if I showed you this donut, and I'm going to try to do this without making a big mess because... <laughs> Alright, so is this a whole donut? Would everybody say this is a whole donut? Yes? Okay, but wait a minute, isn't there a space missing right there in the middle? What is that? It's the center of the donut, right? That's supposed to be there, isn't it? If it's a donut, if it's a proper donut, it's supposed to have a hole in the middle? Well, see, donuts are a lot like us. When we're thinking about what we should be thankful for, a lot of times we concentrate on what we think is a hole, something missing inside of us. But it's not something that's missing. It's something that, by God's design, is just the way it is. You are complete the way that you are. Even though you may look at that hole and go, I'm missing something, you're really not. Okay, So I want you to remember that when you're thinking about what to be thankful for and you're thinking about your life, think of a donut. And not just any donut, think of the best donut ever, right? Okay, can you remember that? Let me pray for you before you head off to to, uh, learn back there. Um, Father, just help us today. To keep being thankful, just because Thanksgiving is over, Lord, we don't want to stop being thankful, thankful to you, thankful to everything that you're doing in our lives, thankful for being with us, and God, would you help us when we see something in our lives and we think something's missing, God, would you remind us that you have us right where we need to be, and that you are all we need. Help us to remember that, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can go to class. Now, I need, now this is a tradition we started last year where we have our Advent wreath up and we ask one of our families to come up and light the first uh, candle of Advent, which is, I I love this, it's the hope candle, right? So that just works perfectly. So um, I have invited the, the molars to come up and, and to be the ones to light the hope candle, that is this one right here. Uh, Adrian, your hands are full, so yeah. your, your mom can join us. Would you like to join us? Ross, I'm going to let you do this, buddy. Okay, so you just got to hold this down with your thumb. There you go, just like that, okay. And if you would go ahead and light the hope candle, which is that one right there, then we will say a quick prayer. Thank you, sir. Yeah, he did that like a professional. I may have to have him up here every week. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, we pray for hope. We pray for strength for every day, the things that we deal with. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, as we light this first candle of Advent, as we start to this journey over the next four weeks, would you remind us to continue to not lose hope, that our hope is in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to leave that lit. Come back over here. I hope you can see that. All right, got to move my donut because otherwise this thing is going to fall, and that's just going to be a big mess, and we don't want that at all. So, um, so officially good morning to uh, those of you that are watching online, those of you that may be watching later on the delayed feed. Good morning to um, our brother uh, Richard down in Florida and our mom. Hi, mom. Uh, to David King's family in Kentucky. Hello to the Kings up there. Um, we still feel bad about Tennessee beating you guys a a little, but you know, that's a, but anyway, um, we're decorated. We got our Christmas on, right? And I, by, by we, let me just say that my sister, Bonnie, uh, my daughter, Alicia was Cody here. My son-in-law was here. Ivan, were you here? Yeah. Okay. So the whole team kind of came in and Christmas this whole place. And so online, I'm sorry, the way the camera set up, you can't see our beautiful Christmas tree. So come here. Come here and, and join us live, so you can see this beautiful tree. We also have a, a tradition that we started last year with all of our families, where we ask, if you didn't do this last year, please do it. We want each family to bring a Christmas tree ornament that, that symbolizes your family, if, if it's what you're you know something you're into, something you enjoy together, that sort of thing. and hang it on our Christmas tree because it's our Christmas tree. It's a, it's a family thing, and it was just really nice to um, I knew it was coming. But it was nice to come in this morning and kind of see the decorations, you know, and, and the, the, the poinsettias here and um, just everything. The advent wreath, everything was all set up and it looks beautiful. Some decorations back there and what we've dubbed the cozy corner, you know, for, um, for when we're here on Tuesday nights with divorce care. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's really nice, all the decorations. And um, we're really, really glad that the Christmas season, officially launched after the last Tupperware lid was closed on the Thanksgiving leftovers and the, the belts have all been let out maybe one notch you know depending on how aggressive you were on Thursday but the decorations and the preparations are here and along with that the music how many of you have started listening to Christmas music I won't bust you it's okay right okay so um, in my opinion my humble opinion I think one of the greatest pieces of music ever written is played at Christmas. And that is Handel's Messiah. I mean, it's become so famous and so well-loved as a work on its own that, that many people don't realize that almost <laughs> its entire text was um, it comes from the words of Scripture. In, in every performance, the, the pinnacle, you know, when they, when they get to the, the hallelujah, Chorus, right and uh th- all of that comes it's so it's so compelling that people just stand right hallelujah i'm not gonna do it all right okay you know because i would just ruin it for you for the rest of your lives but you know what i mean right and and people just get they stand up and they just get so into it it's just so beautiful especially when when the basses in the choir sing he shall reign forever and ever This morning, uh, we're starting a a brand new series, and it's based on this very famous text. A series that I'm hoping is going to be a landmark series for our church. During these next four weekends, we're going to look at four descriptions of that child that was born in Bethlehem. It may be the most needed elements in our society at this time. So as an introduction to this series, I'm going to read you the full text which Handel wrote his Hallelujah Chorus from. And it begins in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. What he's saying here is that uh, all the garments used for war can be thrown away because there will be no more war. from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let me pray for us. Father, during this series, during this Christmas season, we need these words. Lord, would you fill us with this hope? Fill us with the reality of your Son's wonderful counsel and his might, his ministering to our souls, and his peace that surpasses all comprehension in jesus name we pray amen you know i've never understood how this particular thing happens or even quite frankly when it happens it's it's kind of like some sort of switch gets thrown inside of me right right about this time of year i start getting this urge to experience certain things again i want to change the pace and the pattern of my life. I want to slow things down a little bit. I want to be with family and friends even more than I normally want to be with family and friends. I I want to watch the flames of a fire in a fireplace kind of crackling, right? I miss that. We don't have a fireplace in in our home anymore, but uh, I I do miss that. I, I want to drink a big, hot cup of coffee in my cozy clothes, and I want to eat good food, and I want to think about good memories and dream about happy things but above all I want to feel close to God and I don't think it's just me who feels these things this time of year I think we all do don't we I think there's a reason that culturally we've started to put the decorations up a little earlier and a little earlier every year and we laugh about it and we poke fun at each other about those that on november 1st are throwing the tree up and but there's a, a desire to get to that point to flip that switch because it does something to us i think somewhere just inside our skin is this this thing that just wants hope and warmth and security i think it's part of the human condition maybe it's triggered by the changing of the seasons, or maybe it's all the tryptophan from from last Thursday's uh, you know dinner. I don't know. Well, more than anything, during this series, I want to help us all get a little closer to that hope and that warmth and that security. I don't know any any better way for that to happen than for us to look piece by piece at this gift that God brought to earth when he delivered his son in a stable in Bethlehem. Because imagine for for, for just a moment if, if you could really understand who God wants to be in your life. Imagine how that would change you, how it would give you clarity and courage and understanding and dare I say, hope. On a side note, I think those are things people everywhere have always wanted. I think that's why God couldn't wait to write down the text of Isaiah 9 6 so many years ago. I think he couldn't wait to tell folks about how wonderful his son would be to them when he finally came to earth. We talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, like when we have good news and 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 we just we we'll start a sentence with it when we run into people. Well, have I got good news? You know, we're just busting because we want to tell people the good news. And I think God, if I may be so bold, is busting with excitement about this this good news. So instead of just waiting until the day before or two days before, 700 years before Jesus was born, God chose a prophet. He chose this this man very near and dear to him, Isaiah, and he said, write this down. Tell people about this. They need to hear this. Here is what my son is going to be like. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace to you all. Because so many people need Needed the clarity and the courage and the understanding and the hope. and God began announcing the news about his son 700 years before he ever arrived. Talk about planning. You know, I've mentioned many times before, I'm married to a planner. Okay, it's part of my life. I just, I sort of just accept it, right? I mean, we, we can be away on a vacation together. Okay, this happened when we were in Scotland this last June. Breakfast, Inverness, sitting there, beautiful sights, right? Nice cup of coffee, just had breakfast. And she looks at me and goes, okay, let's start talking about 2024. And I just gloss over. I just shut down. And I think she knows that that's going to be my reaction. I think she gets a little bit of a kick out of that. I don't know. But that's just who she is. For for somebody like me, it's just day after day after day after day. Don't don't give me more than a week out. I can't handle that. I can't process that. But she can and she does. Thank God, because otherwise we'd have nothing on our calendar and all of a sudden people would be calling us. Aren't you coming to so and so? Oh we forgot. So so I married a planner. I understand it and she gets so excited she can't contain herself. I think, in a way, this is what happened in Isaiah 9. As early as 700 years ahead of time, God was getting so excited about the difference that his son was going to make on planet Earth, he started telling his friends about it, the prophet Isaiah. We know from historical records that Isaiah lived from about 760 B.C. to 680 B.C., That always throws some people, you know, the the numbers go down, you know, when you're in BC, you know. So it's a um, the the furthest out, the number's higher, and then it works its way down to, you know, to one and and that kind of thing. But as I was thinking about that, it it occurred to me that during these four weeks, we're going to be looking at some words that tie us into a historic flow with spiritually sensitive people over the last 27 years. Centuries. Long before Handel ever wrote the Messiah. People had felt like they were in darkness. They were looking at this description of God's son and they were saying, Oh, okay. Whew, that helps. I get that. I have hope. So, so let me read that, that central part of, of the passage again. It says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now some people who wonder how the Bible can be true read this passage. And when they learn that it was written 700 years before Jesus was born, and that the Israeli government actually has a copy of it on display in Tel Aviv that dates to a 100 years before Jesus was born. They say, you mean the Bible spelled out 700 years ahead of time that a child would be born who would be called God's son and bear the responsibility of governing mankind? And then, then, They find out that the Old Testament contains more than 300 other prophecies about Christ (coughs) that all were fulfilled in the New Testament. And most of them are far more explicit than this one. And often they start switching their reasoning from how could the Bible be true to how could the Bible not be true. Because only God could be this accurate so far in advance. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. So I want to talk about that today. I want to walk through that phrase in the hopes that you will never again look at a manger scene without appreciating the wonder of the person who is in it. We spent all day yesterday decorating the house, so there are manger scenes up, okay? Okay. Just just to give you your full money's worth. I'm gonna throw a little Hebrew at you. Alright. Let me get warmed up. Alright. <laughs> because Isaiah didn't write in English. He didn't speak English. He spoke Hebrew, right? And in Hebrew, wonderful counselor is this. Pele Yoetz. Wonderful counselor. Pele means wonderful. But it goes beyond that because it's used dozens of times throughout the Old Testament. It tends to mean wonderful in the sense of a cut above or better than anyone else could expect to do because it it usually describes something so great only God can do it, right? Almost all of the Bible's references to Pele are referring to God. Job uses the word when he says that God does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number. David says about God, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. The words marvelous and wondrous in these verses is Pele. You see the sense of it? Yo, yo ets means counselor. But in our day and age, we've sort of co-opted that term to mean something else. When, when we think of counselor, we usually picture a couch, right, or cozy chairs. We picture someone sitting across the room asking us things like, so, so how do you feel about that, right? T- tell me more about your family growing up. Tell, tell me, you know, tell, tell me what's going on inside of you, right? And then, then they're taking notes on us. And billing us right a lot of money right so <laughs> I'm not discounting counseling not at all but up until about a hundred years ago when the modern science of psychology was developed Sigmund Freud went out and he got his patients a couch counseling was a far different trade than it is today counselors weren't therapists they were strategists They gave people that they were counseling advice on how to run a war, how to win a political (coughs) campaign, how to to organize a new business venture. Counselors didn't listen to your inner child. They advised a king or other person of importance about the best course to take given whatever circumstance they were facing. So Yoetz, means to give advice, to guide. So wonderful counselor literally means to give advice or guide you better than anyone else could expect to do. That's kind of the moment where you just go, well, duh, right? I mean, yeah, that makes total sense once you think about it. In my teens, in my early 20s, I sought advice from everyone. From friends, from family. I didn't necessarily take it, but I did seek it, right? Co-workers. And the crazy thing is, is that this was at the point in my life when I was far from God. I was seeking advice from everybody else. Some of the advice was good. Some was not so good. I wasn't attending church I didn't have a relationship with God. I wasn't reading his word. I look back now and I see so many emotional potholes during those years. But you know, since that day, since that day that that I invited Christ to play a leadership role in my life, I mean literally, Jesus, take the wheel, right? He has been a wonderful counselor to me. I'm growing in, in patience, never thought that would happen. I'm learning to have compassion, to remind myself to consider how others are seeing things or dealing with things before I act or I react. Many of you know that, that there's a hobby that, that I'm very passionate about. I enjoy 3D printing and making stuff, okay? I'm a nerd, I wear it proudly, okay? What you probably don't know is that things don't come off of a 3D printer just perfectly formed and ready to go. They just don't. It doesn't work that way. It's not that precise, not at the level that I do it. Okay? So, so what happens is there's a lot of sanding okay, to smooth out the rough spots and there is filler putty and glue and all kinds of things to, to join you know, parts that need to be together and to fill in the cracks all of that sort of thing, a lot of time. There are jokes about it in the community. People put up these memes, and people just, a skeleton with sandpaper, just because they, that's where you just died, you know, where <laughs> you were doing all that sanding, right? And, and, and when I look back at my life, where I was when I asked Jesus to take over leading for me, I didn't go from just being this this broken, you know, unredeemable person to da da super Christian that didn't happen I see now looking back that there are edges that had to be sanded off there were cracks that needed to be filled it's very reminiscent of things that I have struggled with as a creator to see what my creator is doing not in just my life but in every life every person that God touches every person that's walking through a, with a relationship with Jesus you know gluing together the disjointed parts in your life God's wisdom and his counsel they, they guided me to a point where, where I was ready to step into a bigger role slowly and slowly and slowly whether that was serving in, in the church where I was attending and volunteering to do things and and, and then finally relenting to his call and saying okay fine I'll do it. Stop asking. (laughs) I'm here. No matter what that role is for you, the same process is happening because he is a wonderful counselor. When you give him the opportunity to be the strategist in your life, to advise you, he has counseled me about my marriage and how i treat my wife he's counseled me about my mouth and the words that i let come out of it he's counseled me about my mind and the things that i let play into it and that can be a dangerous place he's counseled me daily about the handling of my personal life how i spend my money the way i'm raising my kids and that's a continual process my kids are adults But that doesn't mean I get to hang up my jersey. I'm not done. I'm always going to be their dad. How I'm leading this church with the help of the elders and and all of you. A few years into Jesus' ministry, the, the writer of Luke, he describes this moment of wonderful counsel that Jesus offers. In, in Luke 8, he says that Jesus restored a man's life who had been tormented by demons for a long period of time. You remember the, the one that was filled with all the demons, and they said, we are legion, and Jesus cast them into the pigs, right? You remember, you remember that account, right? And, and afterward, as the man's mind is clearing, and he's realizing what has happened to him, the Bible says, the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. He might go with him. He wanted to travel with Jesus. Now that's understandable, isn't it? Okay. I mean, here's a guy whose whole life has just been turned around. He's literally just been saved. He's grateful. He wants to soak up all he can from Jesus. So he begs him, please let me go with you. I'll carry your bags. I'll shine your shoes. I'll take out the trash. I'll do the chores nobody else wants to do. I just want to be near you. I can testify that you've changed my life. And I think a normal teacher would immediately start thinking of all the additional things. Maybe he could teach this particular student how helpful he could be to him. Pretty much anyone that's ever worked in ministry will tell you that you don't turn down a volunteer. You never say to anybody, nah, we don't need your help. Because it doesn't happen enough. So you'd think that Jesus would have said, of course you can stay with me. In fact, that would probably be the best place for you to be right now. But he doesn't say that. Instead, the text says that Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So translated, what's happening here is it says, while I appreciate your desire to learn more and applaud your desire to help me, my friend, you've been away from your family a long, long time. And they need you. And you need them. So go home. Instead of lightening my load... Lighten theirs. Instead of telling people that you don't know about me, tell people you do know. And the text completes the story by saying he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Other people might have given him different counsel. And it might have been good counsel, but Jesus' counsel was a cut above better than could be expected from others. Immediately following that, the text says, when when Jesus returned, a crowd had welcomed him. 700 years before this ever happened, God peered forward in history. He said, my son is going to be a counselor like no one else has ever seen before. He's going to do things so well and so unexpectedly. I got to tell people about this. So they can anticipate, they can watch when it happens. They can celebrate it after the fact. That brings us to what we're doing. We're getting ready to celebrate. My hope is that two things will happen for you as a result of, of coming this morning, as a result of watching online. One is that for the next 24 days that you won't look at a manger the way you did before. I hope that that every time you see a manger, you're going to think not just about a little baby, but a God growing up to be a wonderful counselor. Maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe you can just pause and say, Jesus, thank you. (laughs) for being a wonderful counselor. And the second thing that I'm hoping will happen for you is that every day from now until Christmas that you will seek his counsel. If you've never read his life story, you'll start today with the Christmas story. You find out what he has to say to people. Or if you already have a relationship with him, that you'll seek his counsel. Every day, every morning when you get up, every time that you face a decision or a challenge, throughout your day, you're going to say, Jesus, counsel me on this. Jesus, give me your perspective. Give me your advice. Direct me. Give me counsel that is a cut above anything that I could get anywhere else. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us as I invite the worship team up. I had to wait for Clay just to get back to his seat so I could make him get back up again. (laughs) Father, I just uh, thank you for your counsel. I thank you for the rough edges that you continue to sand off of me and those that you love. For For the filler putty that's full of love and grace and mercy and peace and joy that you fill all the cracks in with. But most importantly, God, for your counsel and for the fact that you refuse to give up on us. Lord, we love you. We pray for your presence. We pray for that reminder these next three Sundays, God, that every title that has been given to you, 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 it's yours. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, Father, we we just pray all these things in the name of Jesus.